As we bring the lights up, if you want to um, turn to John chapter 15, if you have a Bible with you, or you can use one that's in front of you, maybe on the pew, or we'll have the verses on the screens too. Um, these songs tonight have proclaimed uh, the same stuff we've been proclaiming for a long time as the ring, and um, the... The fact that we had a reunion a couple of months ago, or whatever, back in January, um, kind of kind of tells you something about um, something about our background a little bit. And so, if you're here for the first time, you're kind of new to things. Um, in March of 1998, uh, Parkview Baptist Church started a Sunday night worship service after their evening service that was aimed just at reaching college students. And it was kind of an experiment, and it was one that um, I've been very open about, the fact that I didn't think it was going to work, but felt that the Lord was in it and to at least try it. And um, so I went to work at Parkview as an intern that was working for the, the minister of education, and he kind of put me over the college ministry, which, um, which was really, um, he really just wanted me to start this service. That was the, the main thing at first. And so we started meeting on Sunday nights. and started at 7.30. And uh, the idea was to, to provide something in the city that was not already being done. And so you had your campus ministries that had their, their gatherings. And you had uh, the chapel on the campus was doing something at the time. called It was called Sunday Nights. This is before they started the refuge, for those of you who know what that is. And Sunday nights was, um, it was aimed at uh, reaching people who had never heard the gospel before. And so we wanted to start something that was um, not what they were doing, and not what the other campus ministries were doing, but something that had a uniqueness to it. But we didn't know what that meant. We really just didn't know. And so the idea was we're going to have, that was when like MTV Unplugged was kind of like a thing, you know. And uh, we all would sit around and listen to the Eric Clapton Unplugged album. Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay, a couple of us. And the Eric Clapton Unplugged album was a part of this series that MTV would do and having like all acoustic sets for these artists. And, and so rather than having the like electric-driven loud music, we're like, we're going to do it all acoustics. And um, it's going to kind of be a little bit more laid back. The teaching is going to be laid back. And we're just going to take it one Sunday at a time and figure it out. And so um, the first Sunday we, we met together and the band, it was the same band from... TNT at the BCM. I brought them over. We kind of stripped things down in terms of instrumentation, and we like sat on stools. Like this exact green stool was there the first night, and um, it. We just kind of tried it, and the first night there's like I don't know 40 of us or so. Most of them uh, from the youth group at Parkview who just were looking for something to do after church, and uh, we tried it for a little while, and then kind of kept revamping it, and within. By like 2001, 2002, there were about 400 college students that were going all the way out to Parkview on Sunday nights to this thing called The Ring. And um, 
it kind of gained this momentum, and then the momentum morphed into this vision to plant a church one day. And so in 2006 is when that happened. And so we just celebrated our 10th birthday. And uh, so we kind of have this DNA that has college ministry in its roots. It has uh, meeting on Sunday nights. It's kind of been, always been a part of kind of what, what we do. Um, but it's all, we've always had a simplicity in the approach. And so um, in terms of it like being called The Ring, probably even when we started it, no one knew really what was going on and why it was called that. And over the years, as I said earlier, people would posture guesses about Lord of the Rings or the horror movie The Ring or Johnny Cash, Ring of Fire or just whatever. They just didn't really understand. And then, then it got to the point where no one really knew. All the stories got all mixed together and people weren't really sure. And so what I'd like to do is here we are wrapping up um, from 1998 until tonight the fact that almost every Sunday night during that period of time, this thing called The Ring has happened um, somewhere in town on a Sunday night, and, and God has just done great things for us. It's, it's kind of amazing when you, think, when you think that at one point there were 400 people coming every Sunday to, as a college ministry, how many people over the years have come through the doors and how many people are fanned out all, all around the world that at some point went to the ring? That's kind of mind-boggling. Mind and I know that everyone doesn't have like this glowing, wonderful story. You know, Plenty of people are like, the ring, worst thing I ever went to. You know? um, that people have, have battle scars. You know, like, as people, like, we tend to hurt each other. And there are people who, when they hear the ring, it's not um, you know, like rainbows and puppies that they think about. When they hear the ring, it's something that's rough. And uh, we kind of cut our teeth together in ministry for a long time as, as young people that, that just kind of stuck around and grew up and learned a lot of things the hard way. Um, and so the ring, like what does it mean? Where does it, where does it come from? Why, why have we stuck with it for so long? And why are we changing the name? Um, we're changing it primarily because no one knows what it means. And if we are trying to connect with a city that needs to know who Jesus is, then even all the way down to our name, we should be conveying something. And so you hear the ring, and it doesn't really say anything. It doesn't really mean anything. It, it means something sentimentally, maybe, but it doesn't, it doesn't speak into the life of someone who doesn't know the grace and truth of Jesus at all. You know? And so we corporately have, have talked about it and prayed about it and kicked it around for a while now. About, do we need to change our name? Like is, is that going to make us more effective at reaching people? And if it is, then we have to be willing to let go of this history that we have um, and be willing to change it. And so that's what we're doing. And so tonight is the last one where we'll be called The Ring. And so what does it mean? Here's, here's the, short, the short version of the story. Um, around the time we were starting the, the college ministry and the, the worship service, uh, my boss, Jim Wallace, who was at the reunion on Saturday, and some of you got to meet him and... Um, he was like, you have to call it something. It has to have a name, and it has to have a catchy name, and it needs to have, it needs to be called something, and we did, I don't know, I didn't really think it needed to be called something, but he was really big on that, and so he kept putting this heat on, on me, because it had to go in the bulletin, and it had to have a logo, you know, it had to have certain things, and so he's like, I gotta have something for the bulletin, and so at the time, the Southern Baptists were planning this giant, uh, like gathering of college students from all over the country in New Orleans, 
which if you're going to try to get people from all over the country, why would you pick an extreme like south location? Why would you go in the middle? But anyway, they were like trying to get people from all over the country to come to New Orleans for this big rally. It was called Cross Seekers. And so they had all these small gatherings that were happening in different parts of the country to advertise for the big gathering. And so we as worship leaders went to New Orleans to, I think it was maybe Williams Boulevard Baptist or something like that, to play for one of the local Cross Seekers rallies. And there was a guy who was preaching. His name is Dave Edwards. And, um, and so we were like, cool, we'll go play, we'll go play this, this gig and we worship and it'll be, it'll be awesome. And so... Um, we were at the, at the rally, and we had played, and he was up there preaching. And his message, it just kind of grabbed, it grabbed us a little bit, you know. And, and he used this illustration. He had this giant, like, ring. Like, like a, think like a hula hoop, but more like what a, what a tiger jumps through at, like, Siegfried and Roy show. Like a big, like a big hoop type deal. And I don't know how he traveled with it, but he had this big, giant ring, and his, the point of, of his sermon was he was saying, you know, you, life in Christ is meant to be focused on some things. We, and you have to live a life that's centered on the right things. And so he took this giant ring, and he's like standing in the middle of it, you know, and he's like, okay. Uh, like he lays it on the ground. He's standing in the middle of it physically. He said, life, life in Christ, it, it, like you're trying to stay in the center of, of two really important things. Uh, the first is the presence of God, um, like in your life, active, with you, um, you're, you know he's there, uh, you're acknowledging him, you're walking with him, you know, that relationship with God. The second thing is the principles of God's word being applied to your life. He said, if you can stay in the, in, the, in the middle of the ring, if you can build your life focused on those two things, the presence of God, the, the, the word of God, um, if, if that's what your life is focused on and centered on, he said, you're, you're going to see your life become what you want it to be. And, and so he kind of went on and, and had some different illustrations. You know, he said, sometimes you, he, so he's standing in the middle of this, this ring. He said, sometimes, you, sometimes you're all in. You really are. And then he said, but sometimes you're, you're completely out of that. You're, not, you're ignoring both of those things. So he would stand outside of the, the ring and talk about that and he said, or sometimes you're, you, you're in, like you're in the middle of the ring, but you don't realize it, but your time, your time is not the Lord's, you know. And so he took his watch off and put the watch outside of the ring. Or he said, maybe your money is not. So he put his wallet outside of the ring. Or he had one foot, one, one foot in, one foot out. Or he hopped back and forth and said, this is why you're tired all the time. And he just kind of went through. And so for college students who love a good analogy, uh, as we all know, uh, it was kind of like fish in a barrel for us. Like we were like, "Whoa, this is amazing," you know, and and it really it stuck with us. It really did. Like we talked about it, for, you know, for weeks after that. And so at the same time, we're we're planning this worship service, and it just kind of fit together. It was like if if that can be what what we're aiming for in our worship service, if we can cannot get caught up in. Uh, lights moving everywhere and smoke machines and lasers and like all the things that churches were starting to spend their money on at that time. And we can get away from like performance stuff from the stage and we can, can get away from building it around just the personalities on the stage. And if, if we can build a community and we're all trying to just realize that God is with us all the time and he is speaking to us through his word and as we apply that, um, I mean, what a, beautiful, what a beautiful focus for a worship service. 
So we were already planning simplicity, and now it seemed like God just gave us this great illustration and said, you just focus on those things. Don't get caught up in the hype. Just make it simple. Make it accessible. Make it as welcoming as you can make it. Uh, and just be faithful. And so we called it the ring. Like it just it made sense to that group at that time. And of course, as people came in, it stopped making sense. And it didn't translate very much. And very few of those original people are still with us. Um, but that's where the name comes from. That's been the, the goal and the aim from the very beginning is this closeness with the Lord and really recognizing that He's given us His Word to engage us. Like that's, It's this r- tangible relational thing that we have, that He speaks, it's living, it's active. and um, So that's kind of where, that's where the name comes from. And, and I would now, at this point, I would not say that the life in Christ is just about those two things. So please don't walk away being like, that's it, man, that's the whole, that's the whole thing summed up. I think there's more to it. I think it's different. I would explain it completely differently than he did. Uh, however, um, that's where the name comes from. And that's in our foundational like, beginnings, that's where it, it kind of stems from. And, and so in John 15, this has become one of those passages that, that God has used to shape us over the years. Um, and we see these elements in, in the text. Um, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's used that passage, you know, talking about his father is the, he's the farmer that's tending to the vineyard. And Jesus is, is the stem, is like the trunk of the, of the, the group of vines and that we are all connected to him. And he talks about bearing fruits, and we know from, from what Paul tells us that the Spirit produces the fruit. And so Jesus is telling, like speaking to us in this text, saying, like, hey, uh, Father, Son, Spirit, God is with you, connected to you all the time. That what Dave got right in that hula hoop thing is that the presence of God in our lives is real and tangible and constant and beautiful and good. And for us to constantly be, be kind of like forgetting that and then realizing that, you know, forgetting it and remembering it, um, not paying attention and then paying attention. Uh, hopefully over the years, if you've been with us for a while, hopefully that, that back and forthness kind of slows, you know. Hopefully we're, we're immersing ourselves more and more in this reality that, that Jesus is literally like connected to us, in us, around us constantly there, that we're never without him. That God wants to be with his people, and he is with his people. He lives in us. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches us, and that's what, as Christians, we profess that we, we believe that God dwells within us. Chase talked about it last week. Like There isn't a temple that we go to now where he lives in a room, that now he lives within us, and we're a bunch of branches that are all interwoven together. 
And so our lives are interconnected. We're all connected to the same vine. We're all being tended to by the same Father. We're all trying to bear fruit. And the Father, just like Jesus says, when something isn't bearing fruit, He prunes it. That there's this relationship that happens. And there's this, this uh, correction and this, um, this really specific way that God refines us. Um, someone said this weekend, they said it's like sandpaper sometimes. Like God, God is to us and we are to one another where with sandpaper on wood, at first it's really rough. You know, it's rough and kind of painful, but then it gets smooth. And that's kind of just how God is with us. That when he's pruning things, when he's cutting things back, when he's correcting us, when he's, he's shaping us, sometimes it doesn't always feel good. Uh, we don't always like it. But then when it settles in and we realize like, oh, this is... This is our good Father protecting us from painful things. This is Him helping us be who we've always meant to be. We realize the beauty of a passage like this and the reality of God with us. And through His Word and through His community and through His Spirit within us, uh, we are to grow and to produce fruit. And God made us for fruitfulness. like He made us to be producers in that way. And... Um, I think that this passage has become important to us for a number of reasons, but God in His sovereignty had these verses like for us. It was not to say it's not for other churches as well, but this is one that I feel like we kind of hold close of like, yeah, that's when I think of the ring, I think of abide. I think I'm the vine, He's the branches. I, I think of that text. And I hope that you do. Like, I hope that you think about that and feel, feel that way. And when you hear those words, I hope you are reminded of things that maybe he's taught you in this room or in the, the rooms where your community groups meet or in, the, in, your, in your own homes, that some of you are in this room and you used to be in the nursery and now you're kind of over here and that that's, all these things are familiar and that really, even back to 98, here we are, have this weird illustration about these two things and you, some of you weren't even born then and yet you've come into a community that's still chasing after the same stuff. That's still trying as best we can to realize the nearness of our God and the goodness uh, that He is to us and the way that He shepherds us and rules and reigns over us and with us that God wants to be with His people. And all this is so real. It's not a fable. It's not something we're just... I don't know, we're just signed up for because we think it might be true one day. It's a, it's a legitimate thing that we're a part of together. And so that's where the name The Ring comes from. And, you know, when, when you change the name of a church, uh, well, I, I, I say this like I've done this a bunch of times. Um, never done this before, but I'm assuming that we have some pretty significant opportunities in front of us in terms of uh, kind of starting over in a way, um, that there are some things that we can carry forward and there are some things we can leave here. Uh, so turn to Hebrews 12. I'd like for us, between now and next Sunday... And if you're here for the first time, then I, want you to, I invite you to be in on this too. There's nothing exclusive about what's going on here. So if you're here for the first time, you kind of like, hey, I kind of like what's going on, then join us in this over the, the next couple of days. But in some ways, we leave the ring and that title 
we leave it here on this date, in this place. Um, and, you know, at the same time, though, we carry some things forward. And we have this opportunity to kind of shed some of the things that we don't want to carry forward. And then to grab onto the things that we do want to be the case for Living Hope Fellowship. That there's some amazing things that God has done, and, and that's not going to change. Um, when, we, when we moved away from Parkview, at the first time we went to the BCM, and I talked about the movie Hoosiers. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but you should have seen it by now. And so that's on you. Um, but they, uh, let's just say they, they go to play a significant basketball game in a bigger venue. Um, and the coach, before they leave, he, like, he measures the, the, the rim from the ground and the free throw line and those kinds of things. And they go into this big place, this big, huge arena, and they're all overwhelmed. And he has them go and measure the free throw line and the rim and that kind of stuff. And his point is saying, like, look, the important things about the game of basketball are the same in our little gym and in this big arena. They're exactly the same. The important things are going to carry forward, um, but there's some things that we can leave behind. And I was reminded of this passage, and it's not exactly what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here, but I think we can connect enough dots and not make Jesus mad. So um, look at verse 12. I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and, th- and that's talking about, if you read chapter 11, uh, it's called the Hall of Faith. And the writer of Hebrews just goes through and names all of these faithful saints who had come all through the Old Testament. And they're just their demonstrations of trust in, in the Lord and belief in what God had to say. And so uh, the whole chapter is just filled with just like showering these uh, faithful patriarchs and matriarchs with, um, with praise. I mean, just championing their lives and what they have contributed to the story and how they have all gone before us, that they are with the Father now and they are, um, like he goes to make this analogy about running a race, like, like they who have been there before, they know what it takes and they believe in us and they are like cheering us on. And so this cloud of, of witnesses um, it says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people who have paved the way, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when he talks about, okay, we're, we're running this race, we're s- surrounded by all these faithful saints who have gone ahead of us, he says, as you're running, let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let's, let's shed the things that are slowing us down. And so let me tell you a couple of the things that I hope we take with us. Before, I'll tell you a few things I hope we leave behind, but a couple of the things that I hope carry forward into the life of Living Hope Fellowship. That all the stuff from the ring, uh, the, the, the bad parts of our history, the things where we just shake our heads and be like, why didn't we have adults in our lives telling us, don't do it that way, you know? Like all these things that we have done over the years and as we've grown, um, it's not all uh, things that we're super proud of and stuff, but Jesus met us in every moment. 
And he taught us along the way, and his grace sustained us. And so we want some things to carry forward. Uh, here's just a very brief list. Um, I hope that we take with us into this new season um, the parts of us who would just like, just straight, just just pray. That there have been times when when people at the ring would they would just get together, and they would just pray for each other. They would pray for the ministry. They would pray for their families. They would just pray, pray, pray. I want that. I hope that's not something that we leave behind. I hope that's something that carries forward. Um, that there are times when you when there you didn't even have to have a worship leader. You know, that there wasn't a need to be like, come on, come on, come on, come on. That there were times when it was just like, like, trust me, like as one of the worship leaders, there were times when we did, were completely useless. We were, just playing the, we were just playing the background music. You know, like the room was going, they were going to like sing, 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 sing. And you've experienced that. There are plenty of times when, when that's how the band feels. Like, man, we were, we were behind them tonight. There wasn't no leading going on. We were catching up. And so I hope that, there, that that part of us that just loves to praise our Savior and to sing about Him and, and, and sing to Him and just proclaim that, I hope that that's something that we carry forward with us. Um, that there was a time when, um, in the early days of the ring, that, that uh, in the early days of, of the church plant, that this announcement was made and was like, hey, we need people to sign up to... To go at like three o'clock in the morning over to someone's house and sleep on the couch so that she can go to work and that the kids that she is um, like keeping for another friend of ours who is in rehab so that those kids have an adult in the house and they can go to work. And so here's this this like really strange request of like there's a sign up sheet on the table. We need you to take shifts from like three o'clock to seven o'clock in the morning um, and so, if you would, just sign up uh, whenever you can. And people flock to the list. I'm saying, no, I'll, I'll go sleep on that couch so that she can go to work, so that she can be at rehab, so that those kids have an adult in the house in case they need something. I'll do that. I want You on board with carrying that forward? Like, that's the kind of people we want to be. Um, the kind of people who would raise money and buy a Suburban for a missionary in Mexico. That we just was like, hey, we're going to buy this suburban and give it to this missionary, so we're going to do this fundraiser. Are y'all cool with that? And I was like, yep. The kind of people who would sign up to take care of kids and to care for kids in India and pray for them. These kids that you'll never meet. Kids that you'll, you'll never take one of those like mission trip selfies with them and put on your Facebook page and kind of promote the fact that you want a mission trip. You'll never meet these kids. Like, that's just not how this partnership works. But there's these 15 little precious kids in Calcutta who are eating, and they are in school, and they have clothes to wear, and they are safe um, because you guys were like, yeah, no, no, let's, we need to take care of them. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter if we ever get to go see them. And, our, and it doesn't matter if we just don't even see them until heaven. That's totally fine. Like, that kind of character, I want to carry that forward. The kind of people who pray for summer missionaries. The kind of people who um, love their campus enough to go to the clock tower every Monday night for like two or three years and just pray that Jesus would move at LSU. 
Let's carry that forward. People who love their classmates enough to go eat at Mr. Gaddy's every Friday and just invite their classmates to come. Invite the people you're in class with who would never, they would never go to the BCM, they would never come to the ring, they would never go to anything, but they'll go eat pizza with you. And so our college ministry, that was like an act, that was our campus outreach. It was like, let's go to Gaddy's and let's bring our friends from school and let's all be nice to them and meet them and, and just let's be hospitable. If we can't be hospitable in a, in a church building or a campus ministry building, we could be hospitable in Mr. Gaddy's. Like that kind of love for people who, um, who don't know Jesus. Like I want to carry that ahead. The kind of people who make a Monday or Tuesday night community group work. The kind of people who will sacrifice and find a way to get there with your kids and um, whatever that takes to make it work because you believe in community groups. You believe in what we're doing. You believe in that group of people and how that is good for your soul. And so even though it requires a lot of sacrifice and sometimes you just want to maybe pull your hair out because uh, life can be crazy, the kind of people who are willing to make it happen I want to carry that ahead. The kind of people who will drive all the way to Baton Rouge on a Sunday afternoon for years. Maybe you used to live two minutes away and now you live 30 minutes away. But you're like, no, we believe in the ring. We believe in what God's doing. And we believe that we're a part of it and we want to be a part of it. And there are times when it's not very convenient. I understand that. I want to carry that ahead. People who set up and tear down and give of themselves to make an event happen. We have a day in the park this week coming up. We had an Easter egg hunt not too long ago. The people who will say, no, I'll show up early. I'll stay late. I'll, um, I'll sit around and peel crawfish and, uh, for other people to eat. You know, Those kinds of people, I want to carry that forward. The kind of people who will study and plan and pull off uh, leading a community group or the kids group or the youth group or... The, uh, for the band and for all these teams that just give of themselves week in and week out, um, and maybe not maybe not get a whole lot of thank yous or attaboys or we love you, we appreciate you type things, but you do it because you believe God is in it. I want to carry that ahead. The people who give financially to make this ministry happen, I want to carry that generosity forward. The kind of people who look at their budgets and say how. Let's give as much as we can. Because we believe in breakfast on the living. We believe in hope of life. and We believe that God has, has uh, positioned our staff in a certain way to be able to serve. And, and the ministries that we're a part of and the things that we're tied to, we want to bless Grace Baptist for letting us be here. We believe in that. So we're going to organize our budgets. Um, someone, I heard a quote this weekend that said that tithing, like giving, giving to the church, Tithing is the training wheels for a generous life. I was like, yeah, I like that. I'm going to say that forever. i got to find out who said it first, but it wasn't me, just for the record. Tithing is the, uh, the training wheels for a generous life, and so that generosity and the people who are, are giving of themselves in that kind of way to the work of ministry, that collaboration, I want to carry that forward. People who will cook breakfast for um, a community of people who are hungry and rotate every other Sunday with the chapel on the campus, people who will serve that community in that way. I want to take that forward. Um, people who are willing to take a chance on us. I mean, we're like the, the most weird 
church in the world, you know? Like, what kind of church doesn't really have a building, doesn't really have a plan for a building, doesn't have a staff that holds office hours or anything like that, meets in, meets in the evening, rents from another church who they get along with, like, really well, has community groups scattered all over the place, isn't totally sure what the next step is, and, uh, but yet still makes it. And who takes a chance on that kind of thing? It would be so much easier to just say, no, we're, we're going to go to a stable, established church with a building and a vision that is like completely mapped out and has like a really killer uh, children's area with climbing walls and Nintendos and whatever, and like we're going to go for that. And I'm not saying anything against that, I'm saying that I'm grateful for all of you who have taken a chance on this whole thing. Because I know it comes with sacrifice. I know that it's rolling the dice a little bit. And especially in the first couple of years, you guys were like, well, our kids are going to be a part of a small kids ministry. It's fine. Our youth group is going to be small for a while. That's, it's fine, you know. Um, I want to carry that forward. The kind of people who will move three times. Who does that? The kind of people who will trust, who trust me. Honestly, who does that? You know? I want to carry you forward. I hope that that's okay. The kind of people who will be on a nursery rotation or volunteer on a team. or The people who will share the best parts of their lives and the worst parts of their lives. That will not retreat and run away just because your life just got messy. The kind of people who will just bring that in and say, hey, here's, here's the mess. I need some help. All of these kinds of things. We're running this kind of race together, and I could be here forever just listing off the awesomeness from 1998 until this, this moment. And I just want you to know that I love you, and I'm grateful uh, far beyond words for everything that has happened up until this point. Um, and I'm excited about the name change. People, some people have asked me, like, are you kind of sad? I'm like, there's a sentimental part of me that's sad, but I'm far more excited than I am sad. Um, because I believe that our, like, our, our best future is, like, in heaven, like the new earth with Jesus. That's the best future. But there's a better and better and better future headed in that direction. Um, and so, if, when you go back to Hebrews 12, though, it says you have all these witnesses around you. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that's before us. And so, in order to, like, let's just, let's, we always have to be real with each other that there are some things that we need to leave behind us. We need to shed some of those weights and, and sin that's clinging to us, that's tripping us up, that's keeping us from running the effective race as individuals, and then as couples, and as families, and as community groups, and as friends, and then as this church that's mashed together, we got some stuff we need to leave. And this is the opportunity that we have to, to break away from some things. And I'm, this is not going to take a negative turn, but let me tell you some of the things that I'm hoping that we can leave behind um, I think we still, I think we still have some like some learning to do about resolving conflict and being honest with each other and just 
like how to have those conversations and let the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus like work itself out and reenact the gospel together. I hope that's something like handling conflict in an immature way. Let's let's leave that behind. Maybe you already have, but maybe that's something that you just that has not been like sandpaper refined in you yet. Maybe that's something that that the that your father, the vine dresser, wants to like prune out of your life. Um, I would love it if Living Hope was a, was a place where like like people just don't get bogged down in the conflict. They know how to handle their stuff because they believe the gospel and they believe that Jesus is present, and that that pruning away they're just they're completely submitting to it. I hope that that's something we can lay aside and not carry forward. I hope that, that any part of us that has a life that's out of order, that's just chaos all the time, how much have we talked about that, you know? I hope that that's something we can leave behind. That if you're, when you think of the ring, if a part of it is like, man, the ring stresses me out. And it's not because we're just, we're, we're stressful sometimes, I get that. But if the stress is more on you than it is on us, if it's because your life is completely out of order, then I hope that that's something we can leave behind us. That we can can begin life as Living Hope Fellowship together in lives that are ordered, not balanced. Lives that are ordered. I hope that any any hint of self love, where you just you, you love other people and you love the church and you love Jesus and those kind of things, but you love yourself the most, that that is a weight that is tripping you up and holding you back from running. And I think that we all feel it sometimes, even corporately, how like. Like, it's like, when, when are we firing on all cylinders? Well, it's when we love God f- first, and we love other people next, and we're kind of down there somewhere else. And when we're, when we're bogged down is when self-love is dominant. Hope that we leave any, any part of us that, that, that it's hung up in, like, gossip and, like, all the nitpicky, like, like, just goofy little things interpersonally. We can leave that behind. Any part of us that ever ignores our neighbors, ignores the communities where God's placed us, any part of us that doesn't really want anybody else to come into this family because we, you know, we're we're fine, you know. Any part of us that that is content with with our city not knowing the grace and truth of Jesus, we need to leave that. There's any part of you that's just like, meh, that's okay, I guess. That that's a problem. That shows some fundamental misunderstandings between us and the Lord, and that needs to be pruned out of our lives. We have to have a discontentment with the fact that people are out there and they don't know that God calls them His beloved. That's, we, we cannot be okay with that. So we have to leave it. Those are the kinds of things that I think corporately we need to leave. And I think every one of us would be on board with that. Probably none of those things you're like, oh, I kind of like to carry that one forward. No, we all want to leave them. And so what I would love for us to do is, in the next week, to really give some thought and some prayer and some self-assessment to the personal and the corporate things that we need to lay aside, the things that are weighing us down and bogging us down. And he talks about the sin that clings so closely, that there's personal and there's probably, like, like within the family, and, and there's like interpersonal, there's sin that's like, it's like wired wrapped around our feet, and we can't run. We're just getting tripped up all the time. I would like for us collectively over the next week to really come before the Lord and say, Lord, what, 
What is my sin that's clinging so, cl- so closely to me? What is weighing me down as a part of this race that we are running together as a church? How do I fit into it? Will you show me, help me, tend to me, that you invite your Father, the vine dresser, to come and to prune those things out of your life, trusting Jesus as your source of life and the Spirit that wants to bring fruit out of your life, that you would just take that seriously. The opportunity to, for a name change, is a, it's massive for us that we can do that. And so if you would bring yourself before the Lord consistently this week and just invite Him into that, and that you would also pray for the, our corporate effort to do the same. That the changing of our name wouldn't just be about signs and a website and those kinds of things. And just how we, how we welcome each other on a Sunday night. That this would be deeper than that. That this is about more, more than, than maybe meets the eye. That we as, as a family would say, no, we're going we're gonna to do more than, than, than fix external things. That maybe in 10 years we're able to look back and say, you know, you know when things really like, like went like a few leagues deeper? It, that name changed. When we changed our name, like something else shifted for us. Don't, don't you want that? I, ho- I hope you do. If you don't, that's fine. You can, then maybe that's what you pray about. Maybe if you're just like, no, I'd be fine with things never changing. Maybe that's what you bring before him. So I think that, that, that that's where we are, you know. We have an opportunity to carry the awesome things with us and to leave the not-so-awesome things behind. And I think if we ask the Lord to do it, He will. He will. So let's, let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us in a second. Let me, let me read you the, the second verse in that series. So we talked about laying these things aside and and it says that as we're running the race set before us, it says, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That our focus has always been Jesus. Like, that's, that's going forward with us. That's not going anywhere. But as we're running the race, what, what this really means is like, okay, your life is going towards something. What is your life going toward? We're following in the footsteps of Christ. As we go forward. So we know exactly what our lives are going to look like. Because we know what his life looked like. Our lives are going to look like faithfulness. And obedience. And love. And sacrifice. And we have a future where we will, we will die. <laughs> That's encouraging, right? There's a future where we, we will die. But we will not die. Because he's taking care of death. So our souls live on with the Father forever. Just like Jesus. That we have Him as our model ahead of us. And so we're looking to Him and we see, okay, so Jesus is still alive and so we will always be alive. And as we run that race going forward, it's going to involve those things. Faithfulness, obedience, sacrifice, love, compassion. It says, looking to Jesus, the perfecter of our, founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. That there is this joy in front of us as a church. That it's our Father, and just and keep like He's invited us into His life, and it's just continuing and continuing and continuing. Despising the shame of the cross, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That Jesus has gone before us, and we're moving 
toward him, that's our trajectory forever. Toward him, with him, like him, um, together as a family, yes, but he, we're, we're just constantly moving in his direction, modeling our lives after him, that that's what Living Hope Fellowship is going to be about. It's the same thing the ring was about. And so really, our future looks like, well, let's leave all this stuff that's tripping us up behind, let's continue faithfully forward, keeping our focus on the only one that matters. Let me pray. God, we love you so much. We're very thankful. Um, thankful f- for a history here that, um, that is just very unique. That um, kind of embodies something that we could not uh, manufacture ourselves or um, create in some sort of... Uh, in some, some sort of way, that we, we have this quirky history that just kind of, it has your fingerprints all over it. And I know that our desire as a family is to be faithful going forward. And we cannot, um, we cannot make that happen. We cannot make that happen without you at work among us. And so we just need your help to set our eyes on you, to, to, to know what's in front of us. We need you to come in and prune the things that are tripping us up, the things that are keeping us from uh, living lives that are abundant and full and free. And we can't, um, we can't even imagine the future that you have for us how glorious it is, how beautiful it is. and And so would you help us in laying aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely to us? Would you help us to know what those things are and to break away from that stuff, to leave it here? Would you help us this week as we listen and pray? Would you help some would you help that shift to be internal? May this be more than a name change for us. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So we're going to spend just a few minutes kind of just you know, before we dismiss and kind of go about the rest of your Sunday, we always have a time of response, and so we'll sing a little bit. And if you would like to come and pray, you can come down to the steps and pray. Uh, you know, throughout Lent, we had communion as an opportunity, as an as a, as a option for responding. And then when Lent was over with and we didn't do it anymore, people were like, hey, we're gonna, can we keep doing that? So we're going to keep doing that. And so Meg is down here, and she's serving. Uh, she'll have communion there. and It's the kind where you, you tear off the bread, and you dip it in the juice, and you take it. And um, that tearing is significant because Jesus' sacrifice for us, his obedience, his goodness, like that's who we're setting our eyes on. And so perhaps for you, the response that's like perfect for you tonight is to answer his invitation to approach him, you know, so Meg's serving tonight, but really, it's really Jesus is offering you 
saying, here, this is what you need. You need my life. You need my, my blood. You, you need my grace. And he's offering it to you. And so perhaps a part of your laying aside of your, your specific weights and sins, maybe, maybe that's what you need to do tonight. So Meg will be here serving. And you can come and pray. You can stay and sing. You can just do whatever. We're going to spend a few minutes before we dismiss just kind of absorbing the moment and recognizing the fact that God's doing something deeper than just a name change among us. And so you respond however you feel appropriate. The, the table is open, and uh, we'll spend a few minutes just responding freely uh, before we close.